Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Agnes Shimta, an integrative nutrition health coach, pain reprocessing therapy coach, and restorative breathing coach. She helps busy moms with scoliosis and arthritis break free from debilitating pain, fatigue, and anxiety, and reclaim their lives and do the things they love. Her mission is to help people restore their health by healing the mind, body, and spirit, and to start living and stop surviving. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, today, I'd like to welcome to our podcast, Agnes uh, Simchuk. And she's a woman that I met just a few weeks ago who has quite a compelling story. She's an integrative nutrition health coach. She does pain reprocessing therapy and restorative breathing. She helps busy moms with scoliosis and arthritis, fatigue and anxiety reclaim their lives so they can keep up with their kids. And she herself had quite a significant scoliosis with major scoliosis surgery many, many years ago. So I found a story very interesting, but also her journey very inspiring. So I asked her to come on the podcast and uh, tell her story and tell us where she's going. So Agnes, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So remind me, Agnes, where you live. I live in Canada. Okay. Um, in Toronto area. So let's start with your scoliosis surgery. Um, you had some interesting circumstances around that whole decision-making process. How old were you when you had the surgery? So I was 16 um, when I had the surgery and we found out we had scoliosis when I was 15. So from the diagnosis to the surgery, it was maybe nine, 10 months very quickly. Okay. And you were fused quite a bit of your spine, correct? Yes. I'm fused from um, T3 to L3. Okay. So that's most of her thoracic spine and part of her mm -hmm. upper lumbar spine. And that's oh, quite a percent of her spine. Mm -hmm. And usually at those levels, there's not a major functional limitation, except you are stiff in those segments. You can't really bend or mm -hmm. twist segments. So the stress does go below the fusion into the bottom part of the lumbar spine. So when you had the surgery done, how is it presented, presented to you? Because you had some anxiety about making that decision in the first place. Yeah, so I was 16 at that time. And, you know, I was living with my dad, my mom was already in Canada. So it was a, you know, tough choice for a 16 year old to be presented with, first of all, diagnosis of the scoliosis, there was nobody else that I knew um, in my family or friends or in my town who had scoliosis. Um, I was also told that from where I was, I could try uh, bracing, but most likely it will not work because of the degree of my scoliosis and my age. Those two factors kind of okay. played a role. Right. And those are correct choices. When you're older, <clears throat> your spine doesn't respond to a brace very well. And you're, I know we talked before, you, you were right mm -hmm. on the border. And the reason why we generally do scoliosis surgery in people that are teenagers is that the curve tends to progress in adulthood. When the curve gets above 60 to 70 degrees, why the capacities and influence on your lifestyle are quite significant. But for the most part, you did the surgery pretty well. It went well for you at the time. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, like I didn't experience any, you know, I should mention I didn't have any pain before the surgery. Like I had scoliosis, but other than being told that I have scoliosis, it did not impact me in any way um, before the surgery or after the surgery for many years after the surgery. So generally that part went fine. So when did things start going less yeah. than ideal for you? So I want to say about 15 years post-surgery. That's when I start experiencing pain, around 15 years. So you were, what, in your mid-30s at the time? Mid, mid, yeah, early 30s, mid-30s. Um, that and... was, yeah, that was after my second child, too, I should add. So that puts a lot of pressure where entire, I would think, on a spine with a bigger baby. And which part of your spine was painful? Where did you hurt? It was lower back. So for me, it has been always my lower back that I've experienced pain. And mm -hmm. that started about in mid early thirties. What did mm -hmm. the pain become chronic? Did you have ongoing pain? So I yes. So I had ongoing pain with occasional breaks in like relief. Um, you know, at that time, I've tried everything. I've seen different physiotherapists. Over, you know, um, over the time I had the chronic pain, I was diagnosed with a lot of different things. Some therapists um, attributed pain to the scoliosis. Most of them didn't. I've tried a lot of painkillers. I've tried the eyes, the heat therapy, chiropractor care, massage therapy, acupuncture. Nothing seemed to bring me the relief. Um, I ended up in debilitating pain where I ended up in bed after having my third child. Um, and at that point, um, the pain got so bad, um, that I, like, I knew there has to be a different solution. Okay. It is. <clears throat> and we say disabling, how bad mm -hmm. was disabling? How severe was that? Yeah, so I base I could own so my youngest was just starting a nursery at that time. I would take painkillers to drive her 10 minutes, 15 minutes away from my house to leave her at the nursery school. I would come back home and stay in bed because like I was not able to do anything. Um and you, that was really on a good day. You're yes. in bed most of the day then? Yes. And you had an infant at that time also? Yes, she was one years old, one and a half when it's okay. really started. How did that work? Not really good. It was, you know, as a new mom with a little baby who is starting to walk, it was really difficult. So, you know, right now, I she's eight years old. I can, she's over eight. I can pick her up and hold her. She still remembers the days where I couldn't do that. And she literally celebrates every time I lift her up and I hold her. She wants everybody to stop to see her mom lifting her up. Fantastic. Because when I was in bed, all she could do is she could come up and I could, you know, hug her as she was standing by the sofa or by the bed. I, you know, that was too much for my body. So the pain was in your lower back. It was so my pain was. Yes, it was in the lower back and it was radiating down my left leg. So I had herniated disc at L4, L5 area. Okay. And 
So how long were you essentially bed bound? How long did that go on? It was about three to four months when I, you know, that I was in bed and it, you know, that was the time I was allowed to be off work and I had to slowly transition back to work. So at that time, that was two hours a day and I was able to sit for 10 minutes at a time and stand for 10 minutes at a time. Um, I work from home and I work in office, so I was able to be accommodated. Okay. So how many years did that overall severe pain last? Mm -hmm. So 15 years altogether when I'm looking at the chronic pain because it okay. would come back and relieve. And then the last, I want to say three years where it was really bad. Um, and if I can just add, it was three years because I've recovered from that time when I was in that chronic pain when, when, where my daughter was very little, but then I was in two car accidents and one of them reflamed all these neural pathways and my pain came back and it took me longer to recover after that second car accident. Okay. So I want to jump to the end of the story and work backwards because um, mm -hmm. how, are you, how are you doing now? I'm doing really well. <laughs> okay. You look great. <laughs> Thank you. I can, yeah, so if I can sit, I can just mention the sitting, like I, you know, I don't have any issues with sitting. I don't, I can sit as long as I want. I can stand, I can walk. I paddleboard during the summer. Um, I, yeah, there's no activities that, you know, I don't do because of my bait because of my pain. I can open the doors. I can, and, and I know this, this, seems very small but I can open the doors close the doors I can reach and make myself coffee by myself versus somebody else doing it for me and is your pain pretty much gone now or just yes it is okay yes it so is gone. you had years of pain that's now gone how long have you been out of pain about three four years okay so the key question that we all want to hear is what mm -hmm. happened how did you go from debilitating back pain mm -hmm. for many years to being relatively pain free mm -hmm. with minimal limitations? That's a big, that's a big switch. Mm -hmm. It is. I've started applying everything that I've learned from you and from Alan Gordon from pain reprocessing. So I've used both yours and Alan's approach. Um, what I loved about, you know, I've read your book, um, the back in control book, and that gave me the belief that, you know, when I was really in bed and it was recommended to me that I need to have full revision surgery, the research um, that was included in your book, um, you know, gave me that power and that understanding that I actually don't have to um, go for that fusion surgery. It kind of gave me that, you know, that piece in my heart that it's okay for me to try alternative routes versus going in and trying the surgery as a first option. So you were recommended to have further surgery? I was told that if the pain persists and there's no relief for me, that was the only option um, to go for the full spinal fusion surgery. So this, and this one, they probably go through your stomach and your back, correct? 
I actually didn't get into that far into the discussion because to me, like personally, it's not an option I wanted to go with unless it was to save my life, which is really like in that critical circumstance. Um, like I, you know, personally, I didn't want to have a spinal fusion surgery just to relieve the pain. I trusted and I believe that there must be another option for me. So let me just editorialize here just for a second. So now I'm a spinal deformity surgeon. I do scoliosis surgery. And my practice ended up being major complicated cases like yours. To extend your fusion down to the pelvis is a big mm -hmm. operation. The problem is it does not work for back pain. The, the success rate of doing a fusion for back pain is about 20 to 25%. There's actually double that chance of actually making you worse when you operate in the presence of a fired up nervous system. It took me many years to learn this, learn this with my own pain experience, but it turns out that um, chronic pain is a neurological disorder, not structural. The brain memorizes the pain, and the way you solve the pain is you reroute the circuits in your brain away mm -hmm. from the pain circuits. Mm -hmm. So it's been a long story for me, but this your situation is exactly the reason why I actually quit my practice. Because surgeons do surgery, and we see with ongoing back pain, we see de degeneration below your fusion, and then we just think, well, there's some bone spurs that we can fix and get rid of your pain. Well, it turns out the pain is memorized, number one. Second of all, it's well-documented that bone spurs do not cause back pain. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of ironic right now, and again, why I quit my practice, is that there's so much surgery being done on normally aging spine is unbelievable. So what I'm really curious about, um, and a lot of this audience knows the whole healing process, but I'm really curious so a little bit of hope helped that you could do it. Mm -hmm. We actually know that hope is actually anti-inflammatory. Yes. Um, so what were some of the next steps you took that seemed to help you through? Because I'm always curious, because yeah. my goal with the, with the back end control is not that it's a self-help book, but it just mm -hmm. takes the known science, mm -hmm. exposes them to the public and the world in a way that you can access them. Mm -hmm. so it's not about David Hanson, it was about accessing the science so, and everybody does it completely differently with the number one factor, factor being is a patient takes control of his or her own care. Mm -hmm. So you had some hope. What, mm -hmm. were the things that said, what were some of the other things that happened in your mm -hmm. mind to help you move forward? Yes. So for example, um, you know, at my worst, I wasn't able to walk very far. So I've started with this mental rehearsal, like practicing in my mind, actually getting out of the house. And first that involved just, you know, approaching the road in front of my house. And with time, as I felt, you know, comfortable and I like I could actually imagine myself walking, I would walk further down the street. Um, I've applied the same for, you know, so that was walking. I applied the same to sitting, just imagining sitting before I actually went in and started sitting. I had to also remove any of the to-dos. So I want to, you know, because I had years in physiotherapy, um, I've been told, you know, certain way is okay for me. Sit certain way will cause pain. If I can sit for 10 minutes comfortably, um, then probably the best idea is to set up a timer for 10 minutes. Well, that kind of alerts my brain for and predisposes me for sitting for 10 minutes. Like I'm proactively, you know, I was anticipating when the 10 minutes would be up because the pain would start. So I had to remove a lot of, you know, a lot of things like that that I had in my life. 
Um, so there weren't, so I wasn't placing as many constraints. Um, I also had to learn how to be okay with just experiencing pain without that pain not overtaking my life. Can you stop there just for a second? So yes. let's work on that one a little bit. I, I just want to hear, hear your version of it because learning to be with your pain as opposed to fighting it is the essence of healing. Mm-hmm. Because from a neuroplasticity standpoint, we'll talk about your neuroplasticity work in the second podcast, but that's it. I mean, healing actually occurs with creativity and forming new circuits. Mm-hmm. But before you can do that, you have to learn to be with the old circuits. That's mm-hmm. a really critical point. So can you mm-hmm. can you enlarge on that a little bit further about being with your pain? Of course. It's not, so, it's, and, not so and easy, it's not so easy to do. It is not. And that was actually the part that took me the longest. And I think it takes all of us the longest because when we experience pain, we just want the pain to go away. Right. And it won't go away. We actually have to learn to be okay with it. So to me, that really looked like, you know, when I would wake up, instead of thinking right away about the pain, I would just focus on, you know, scanning the body, be grateful for where I am, um, and just breathe through the pain, noticing it, but without, you know, associating any of the story around the pain. And then that's where that visual practice of me walking and sitting would be helpful as well. Yeah, I wish I could, I'm trying to emphasize how dead on she is as far as the healing journey, because you, the healing occurs, I call it the sequence of healing, of connection. In other words, being with the pain, not trying to solve it or fix it. Mm-hmm. Then the second part of it is confidence or like the trunk of the roots or connection, the trunk of the tree is confidence. And the healing actually occurs with creativity as you move your brain circuits away from the pain circuits. Mm-hmm. So nurturing gratitude is a lot different than fighting the pain. Because if you fight the pain, you're tensed on the pain. You've actually mm-hmm. reinforced those neurological you're circuits. You're focusing. But you can't outrun the pain. In other words, you can be with the pain and, and mm-hmm. keep moving your brain in the direction you want it to go. And I can't emphasize how clear your depiction of this healing journey is. Because that's it right there. Connecting with unpleasantness and nurturing mm-hmm. pleasantness. Mm-hmm. And and I know it's really hard because, you know, I, I've been there and I know you've been there. When we experience pain, it's just so hard for us to hold that even idea of being grateful for something. But I would encourage, you know, if someone can even find the smallest thing and just focus on that, even every single day being grateful for that one thing and with time that just grows and it gets easier that exercise gets easier with time too and we also know that if you pursue a hedonistic lifestyle or in other words just seeking pleasure for pleasure's sake to distract Mm -hmm. yourself um it's actually inflammatory it makes things worse you cannot outrun your pain so mm-hmm. that's Okio. and that's this has been known for centuries is that even in the days of um freud in the 1800s the essence of healing mental health issues by the way mental pain and physical pain are the same thing but the essence of good mental health is learning not to fight your pain mental pain mm-hmm. so learning to be with unpleasant emotions and sensation is a major factor in healing because the issue lies around what's called neuroplasticity which is how the body, um, the brain changes by the second. 
And so if you're fighting the pain, you're actually reinforcing it tremendously, firing the brain up even more, which is inflammatory. And pain is a chronic inflammatory process where the brain itself becomes inflamed. So when you talk about nurturing joy and pleasure, it comes in small increments, 30 seconds, one minute, 10 minutes, whatever it is. And so it's not creating this big vision or big project that's going to be pleasurable. It's like even right now, just enjoying a conversation, which I am. Mm -hmm. I hope you are. <laughs> I am too. So but it just comes in little increments. Just keep nurturing and nudging, um, going where you want to go. So what I want to talk about in this second podcast is your work now, because you've gone from being quite disabled. So you're now an integrative nutrition health coach, and nutrition is a big mm -hmm. deal, and mm -hmm. pain reprocessing therapy, which sort of what you did, right? Mm -hmm. Not to be afraid of the pain. Yes. That's and correct. that's a big one. And then um, breath work actually stimulates the vagus nerve, which is healthy. Mm -hmm. So before we close this part of the podcast down, you have a website, which is, what's your website? It's the simplebeautifulwellness.com. Okay. And are you doing full-time coaching right now? Yes. Yes. And what was your prior profession? What did you, what did you do before this? I was a senior fiscal planning analyst, long title. Okay. A lot of finance work. Okay, got you. And how, how long have you been doing the coaching? I've been doing coaching for about two years. Like okay. on and off, yes. Okay, and I'm guessing you're enjoying it. I am loving it. And I want to finish off my part um, where only 20% of physicians are comfortable treating or managing chronic pain and less than 1% enjoy it. And it's actually not their fault. We are not trained in these concepts, mm -hmm. which the body creates symptoms physiologically, not by structures. So when you take a wrong treatment approach to a problem like this, everybody's frustrated. So the patient's frustrated, the doctor's frustrated, it goes back and forth. And so from my perspective, the last 10 years of my, last 10 years of my practice, I came out of chronic pain, as you know, but also taking people without any hope at all, which I call the abyss, and watching watching them not only regain their lives, but thrive is incredibly, unbelievably mm -hmm. rewarding. And as you know, it is consistent. And so mm -hmm. just to be clear, I see lots of patients like yourself who spend 20, 30, 40 years bed bound. So this is not a small accomplishment that you did going from being essentially bedbound, disabled, not living a good life to now actually coaching other people into a great life. And it's a, it's a hugely rewarding process for everybody. So it's exciting. Thank so you. Any final words you'd like to say to the, to our audience today? Um, I hope that, you know, we got a chance to inspire someone who's really in chronic pain and who, you know, who's not sure if there's a way out because there's most definitely it's a way out of the pain. And I truly believe there's no need for us as, you know, as people to experience chronic pain. Right. Right. And we also know just statistically, if you had mm -hmm. undergone that large fusion, the success mm -hmm. rate is less than 20% there's actually double the chance of making you worse than actually making you better. So yeah, no, your story yes. is incredibly inspiring to me. And I, I can't tell you how well it illustrates the whole idea of, of learning to be with your pain and then sort of watching it dissolve. So mm -hmm. 
So. It is. It is. Um, I know when, you know, when I started my journey with chronic pain, if somebody would have told me I'm going to be where I am, enjoying what I'm doing, helping others with pain and not feeling pain, like I, you know, it was something that I probably would not even be able to hold in my head. Right. And now actually doing it pain free and enjoying. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Agnes, thank you very, very much. And in the second podcast we're going to do here in a few minutes, we're going to talk about your work now and where you want mm -hmm. to go with it. So pretty excited about it. So anyway, thank you very much. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Agnes Shimtuk, for being on the show today and for sharing the details of her transformation from debilitating pain to her current state of wellness. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.